as Stuart said, I'm talking about fasting, <laughs> which obviously is your favourite topic, isn't it? Everybody's like, yes, Liz, I'm so excited you're talking about fasting. Obviously, since the last time you spoke, I've actually been fasting for the last few months. Um, <laughs> altogether, no, I haven't. I haven't been fasting. Well, I have been fasting, but I haven't been fasting continually for th three months or whatever it is since I last spoke. Um, so we're going to continue this, this series that we've been doing, you know, Stuart and I between us and uh, have been really doing a series on what it means to apprentice with Jesus. Um, you know, in the New Testament, it used the words disciple. That doesn't really mean very much to most of us nowadays. Um, an apprentice means is a bit clearer because we understand what an apprentice is. An apprentice is somebody who doesn't know what the master is do doing, but learns alongside them. And we're learning alongside Jesus to be with him, to become like him, and then to do the things that he would do if he was us. Because um, we're not going to do the things that are, you know, Israelite man did because I'm not an Israelite man so I need to learn what he would do if he was me that's what I need to learn to be and so we've explored silence and solitude and I hope you've all kind of been still pressing into that and doing some silence and solitude that's not about having a quiet time that's about having some time where we're just listening and spending time with him in silence whatever that looks like whether that's sat walking or, or whatever um, we've talked about Sabbath, and I hope that you've been learning how to put into practice Sabbath. You know, we, we had a, our, you know, our Sabbath yesterday. That means our, our phones are off. We're not responding to emails. We're, we're spending time out and away from our normal, crazy, busy, full-on lives just with him. Now, your Sabbath may be Sunday. It may be Monday. I, you know, I don't know what day you're picking, but hopefully you're, you're doing Sabbath. Stuart's been exploring living simply. And uh, we had some great suggestions kind of came up um, a couple of weeks ago when he talked about what it means to live simply. And I've been looking at this whole idea of fasting. And last time I talked about how Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. So it's not a, you know, optional extra. It's not like a plug on that you kind of go, well, I can do that if I fancy it. It's a when. But it's not a should because it doesn't come out of religious motivation, it comes out of relationship motivation. This is about an invitation into a deeper place in our relationship, just as all those other things are, silence and solitude, Sabbath, living simply, they're an invitation into becoming like Jesus and doing the things that he would do if he was us. So it's meant to be part of our lifestyle, it's meant to be uh, not a one-off thing that we do kind of, you know, on special occasions. But we, it's just meant to be part of who we, who we are and what we do. And it builds our spiritual muscles as we do it. And there's lots more that I want to say on fasting. But before we do that, I'm going to get you to do some work. I know I'm not Stuart, but I am still getting you to do some work in groups. Yay! <laughs> I hear you say. So you want to get into groups and, you know, kids, you can join in with this. There's no reason why you can't. And on the screen any moment are going to come the Bible passages that I want you to look at, which are Isaiah 58 verses 3 to 12 and Matthew 6, 16, 6, 6, 16 to 18. I want you to read both of those in your groups. So some of you that are over there, adults will need to come over here to, to help out. And kids, you can join in this too. And the question that I want you to ask, what do the, both these passages tell us about our heart attitude to fasting? That's it. That's your question. I've, I'm very nice. I've only given you one very meaty question. But read those passages, read them to each other, 
and then ask the question, what do both these passages tell us about our heart attitude to fasting? So you're going to need to move chairs and, you know, all of that stuff in order to be able to do, do this. If you're in the kitchen, come and join in the groups as well. Um, otherwise, you'll miss out on what, what we're doing. So, yeah. Paul and... Yeah, Wendy, do you want to join? Stephanie, Steve, are you going to join in? Okay, so I'm going to come round the groups and see what you've been saying and what your heart attitude is. So I'm going to start over here. <laughs> Liberty, you've been voted, apparently, to be the spokeswoman. Um, okay, so the question was... What's your heart attitude? What do these passages tell you about your heart attitude? Um, okay, shall I just say what I said? Okay, so obviously it has to be about intimacy with yeah. God um, and I was just saying that it's easy to fall into that religious sort of way of doing it as a performance and you know watching it other people and and like you know and when you fall from that and you don't achieve that it's a big fall but actually like I was just sharing that this year is something that I've definitely learned with fasting is it's all about being intimate with him and it's not just about I'm gonna fast because my situation I need answers actually you you want to fast because you want more of him yeah and I think that is the key is and it's not as hard when it's just him all the time and like he will show you how and but I understand how in Isaiah how it can be a performance and it's tough, but that's what makes it so beautiful. Yeah, cool, wonderful. It's about intimacy. Do you want to add? Did you say something other or addition? Yeah, an addition to that would be doing it with integrity and honesty mm. um, so that you're not into that performance, Yeah. but that you're, you're doing it from a sincere heart. Yeah, doing it with sincerity and authenticity, integrity, great words. That we want to do it in okay what about over here did you have wisdom to add to that <laughs> <laughs> you know one of the things we were discussing was the reason behind why yeah. you're fasting um it's not for self-gain it's not for what you you know what you want most of the time it's just well your situation is and it's just to gain that higher level of intimacy in the relationship yeah. So you're putting everything else to one side and you're just focusing solely on that relationship between yourself and Father God. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. That's the number one reason, isn't it? It's about intimacy. It's about our relationship with God. And I think, you know, that's that's the kind of check that we have to do all the time with fasting is, am I doing it out of relationship or have I moved into some sort of duty, some sort of I've got to you know, or actually I want other people to notice how spiritual I am because I'm wandering around looking really hungry all the time. (laughs) My stomach's rumbling. Oh, yes, that's because I'm fasting. Um, You know, so have we moved into performance? Because it looks different. You know, we're not, you know, Pharisees. We don't, you know, we're not not in the same culture that Jesus was speaking into. But yet our behaviour can be like that, can't we, in the little things that we say and do. But 
actually we're not meant to look any different we're not meant to see any different you know we get up we put our makeup on ladies if we're fasting just the same as if we're not fasting we still you know wear our nice clothes we don't suddenly kind of look and I'm not saying there aren't times and places for the equivalent of sackcloth and ashes and repentance but um, we, we we don't draw attention to the fact that we're fasting. It it it's not important. But on the other hand, we also want to be real with people and honest with people about actually some of the struggles that we might have in fasting, and um, that might be why this is part two of fasting. And when we come to part three, we might have a honest discussion about actually some of the struggles that we do have and how how we find it so that might be something that we do another another time but I don't want to get into that because I still want us to look at um, some of the reasons for for fasting and you know top top one it's about our relationship with God that you know that's it um, last time I explored how it amplifies our prayers and it absolutely does do that but this week, I want to kind of look at some other reasons to do with fasting and why we should do it. And the first one for this week that I want to talk about is focusing our attention on God. And I just wondered, do I have a volunteer, a child volunteer to read the Bible verse? Oh, you can. Could you just read the, read the Bible verse? Yeah, I'll just give you the mic. <laughs> and just could you read that Bible verse for us? Because actually, <laughs> go and put the mic near you, boss. Just read this Bible verse. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes. Come on, brilliant! Thank you, Freddie. Wonderful. Okay. It's during fasting, that verse tells us, doesn't it, that Daniel gave his attention to God. He gave his focus to God. It, uh, fasting helps us have that focused time of, of worship and prayer and coming before him that um, sometimes in our kind of crazy, busy life, we end up not having because, you know, life is, is, is busy. That's, that's the, the thing about 21st century life, isn't it, is that we are busy, we dash from one thing to another, we're distracted by the smartphones in our pockets, we're distracted by TV and everything else. And fasting helps us stop and focus. I know for me, when I fast, I kind of try and allow my physical hunger to actually remind me Actually, I'm hungry for you, God. I want to be focused on you, God. That, you know, you're the one. You're more important than food. Um, but this rumble in my stomach is reminding you, me that there is this spiritual hunger that I kind of, my distracted life kind of makes me um, unaware of at times. And so that physical hun hunger reminds me, that, that physical need reminds me of my spiritual need my spiritual need for connection and relationship with God. And it also obviously gives us some extra time, doesn't it? Because the time that we use to prepare food, although I have to be really honest and say that Stuart does like 90% of the, the food prep in our house. But theoretically, the time that we use to prepare food, for Stuart, the time he uses to prepare food, he can use to fast. Um, and then the time that we use to eat food, because it takes time, doesn't it, to sit around and eat, even if you kind of, you know, chew it down really fast it still takes time to eat and that time is then available to use to pray and to um, really press into God and I think it gives us that time for reorientation doesn't it and, and a spiritual examination of our lives it gives us time to kind of stop and kind of go God 
as I have this physical need, actually, what are my needs for you? What, you know, what is it that is blocking my, my hunger for you? What is distracting me from you? What is stopping me reorientating to that place where it's just you and me and it's just about you know, this relationship with, with him? And it's interesting, you know, we don't do that for some result, but that is what happens. Because as we give our focused attention on God, what happened to Daniel? Well, if you read down in the rest of the chapter, he, he gets later in the chapter, he has an angelic visitation from Gabriel. I mean, it's not just any old angel he gets, he gets Gabriel. <laughs> now, Daniel certainly had a, a, an amazing lifestyle of prayer and fasting and obedience to God. So it's probably not surprising that he had a, an angelic visitation from Gabriel and not just any old angel. But... In the reality, that is what happens, isn't it? As we orientate ourselves to God, God comes, he meets us, whether that's through the angelic or whether through that's through the spiritual realm in some way or whether that's just through his own presence. He inevitably comes when we, we focus on him. That's his, his desire is to respond to us. That's what, you know, intimacy is about, isn't it? It's not just about me being in this kind of place with him. It's about a connection with him that I get through that intimacy. You know, in Acts 10, when Peter was hungry, he goes into this whole trance and gets this whole calling about going to the Gentiles, which is ironic, isn't it, that, you know, God uses a, a Jewish fisherman to go to the Gentiles and tell, tell the um Gentiles to tell the apostles that you know it's time we start to move on to the Gentiles and it comes out of this this fast but he was actually just spending time time with God and he ends up in this trance so of course stuff happens when we're in that place but we don't do it for that it's not a slot machine it's not like hey if I fast you know for five days then I know that God will do this that's not what it's about but it pulls us into that intimate connection with him when we're in that place of focus towards him and then secondly it grows us in our holiness and do I have another wonderful young volunteer who would like to come come on you come you come and read my my bible verses that are going to appear miraculously on the screen at any moment ah there they are so this bible verse and then this bible verse do you want to read this one up here first oh mic I need the mic, yes. Right. I humbled my soul with fasting. Okay, and then down here. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and forgot my first. Well done. Thank you. Good reading. There's something about food that can be a real distraction. Hosea, you know, says in this verse, it made us, made us proud and forget him when our stomachs were full. And there is something, isn't there, that I guess it's not just about the food, but it's the sort of um, having everything that pulls us into a place of not needing him. And then we kind of forget our need of him. Um, and so, you know, biblically, when we look at kind of Food, yes, it's used obviously massively for celebration, so please don't say, think that I'm saying that food is wrong. But think of all the times biblically food was used to attempt or divert blessing. Obviously the fall, that's a, an obvious one. Esau and the blessing. Noah and his drunkenness led to his nakedness and a whole load of bad stuff happening there. Eli's sons taking the choice bits of meat from the sacrifices. 
And I think fasting actually breaks that bondage to food that we have because I think so many of us, you know, in society forever, it's not just our Western society, but in society, have a really bad relationship with food. And there is something about fasting that helps us break that. And so if we just go on to the next, next verses, have I got another wonderful young volunteer to come and read my next verses? Would you like to come, one of you? Come this way and come and read these verses for me. Yes, the two of them. I know, you picked long ones. Well done. <laughs> so read the top one first, this one first. I just give my body like a healthy training to do what I should do. Okay, and then just move to the side so you can actually see this one. Yeah, there you go. Now try it. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of your the Holy Spirit. So you must honor God with your body. Wonderful. Well done. Well done. Part of our apprenticeship to Jesus is our bodies coming under the Holy Spirit. And I don't know that this is talked about very much in church. I think it's hardly talked about at all in church. And I think that's because we segment our spiritual life, don't we? We have our spiritual life, we come to church to talk about our spiritual life. But the truth is, you and I are body, soul, and spirit. And the Hebrewic understanding is not that we are body, soul, and spirit, but we are body, soul and spirit the whole of us together you know we cannot separate it off and we know that don't we we know like you know a few weeks ago when I was ill and I ended up in, in bed for a couple of days you know you end up feeling a bit low you end up feeling a bit down but you know it's actually just your body that's you know got some bi weird virus I don't know what it was some weird virus possibly COVID possibly a cold who knows what I had but um you know you end up feeling a bit like Bleh. <laughs> don't you? In reality, I don't know how to describe it. I end up feeling bleh. Um, <laughs> because we are body, soul, and spirit. And you feel a bit, you know, it's a technical medical term. Yeah. And, and you can end up feeling a bit like, actually, you know, everybody's a bit far away. I feel a bit disconnected. Where is God? You know, I mean, not that I was having, you know, a big existential crisis. Don't get me wrong. But you don't feel as close to God, maybe as you do when we're here and we're worshipping or whatever, when you're having those moments when you're feeling ill and in bed. Because we are body, soul, and spirit. So when something happens in our body, of course it affects our spirit. And when something happens in our soul, of course it affects our spirit and our body. We are one. Arthur Wallace, who wrote that wonderful little book about fasting that I quoted last time, he says, the much more prevalent error of our day is an easy indulgence that permits us to pamper to the flesh, to feast and enjoy when we should fast and pray. Yikes. I think that's true, isn't it? I think we find it way easier to eat <laughs> than we do to stop and fast. The much more prevalent error of our day is an easy indulgence that permits us to pamper to the flesh, to feast and enjoy when we should fast and pray. You know, it, it, it's often the last thing we do when things are difficult. You know, by the time we get to fasting, we've normally reached for the comfort food. We've, you know, had a glass of wine too many or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever your, your, your bag is, you know, too much chocolate, whatever. We've done all of that. And then we kind of get to the point and think, oh, maybe I should actually spend some time with God over this. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just, I'm being honest. This is, this is reality, isn't it? Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. 
And fasting helps us with this. I know when I'm in a good routine of fasting every week, it just is easier to say no to the chocolate. It just is easier. I, mean, I, was, I can't remember, oh, I was sharing with Colette that I had, last Friday, Stuart went away on retreat. So he was away for sort of 24 hours. And I was actually going up on a Saturday to Teesside to do a Sozo training. And we, I was setting off early with Deborah. She was picking me up at seven in the morning. So I decided Friday evening, Stuart's not in the house. It's a rarity for me to get an evening completely on my own with not, you know, well, <laughs> you know, with not a meeting to do or, you know, people to see or a pastoral situation or whatever. It's, it's, it's rare. No Stuart, no, no demands. So I thought, I know, I'll... <laughs> I didn't say demands from Stuart, I just said demands. I think you're all reading into this, things that are not there, people. <laughs> um, so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll have a nice bath, I'll have a, you know, I'll, I'll, I've got a foot spa, and I'll, I'll, I'll do a foot spa, and I'll pamper my feet, because obviously my feet, you know, are still not great, so it's nice to do something nice, and I'll just and maybe watch a, a, a girl film that, you know, Stuart wouldn't watch with me, and I'll just have a kind of, like, chill night, well, I finished, I was working, and um, I've had this whole issue with Facebook, which I shan't tell you about, but for six weeks, they basically completely disabled my account, which is not an issue. I don't care about Facebook at all, apart from all the church pages, all the Sozo for Couples financial Sozo pages. The, um, you know, basically, I look after five, six different business pages for things that we do, ministry things that we do, and I couldn't access those. They'd given me my Facebook page back on the Monday. On the Friday, I contacted them to say, well, you've reinstated my page, but you still haven't given me back the 219 pounds and 99 pence that you took off me um, for supposed ads that happened while I was, I had no Facebook account. I had a phone call from Meta, from, you know, because it's some faceless organization, so they didn't to ring me. They rang me and I said, look, it's, it's historical that somehow I got hacked, I got it sorted out, my MP actually had to get involved to get it sorted out, that's how challenging it all was. And, um, but you haven't refunded this money that you took off from me. I said, but please, please hear me that it's historical hacking. I haven't been hacked this week. My, my, I've made sure, I've done two-step verification, all my business pages are, on, are now kind of sorted and fine. And um, so please don't do anything to my account. Please, can you just sort out this money that needs to come back to me? Five minutes after putting the phone down, my, my account was locked. I spent the next two and a half hours trying to go around and around this system where you had to make a video of yourself and then try and create this thing. To say that I wanted chocolate and to comfort eat in that moment, I understandably wanted that. But I fasted that week, and um, I wasn't fasting on that day. And I kind of thought, you know, I could, I, I could go for the quick fix. Like I had this moment where I was like, oh, Stuart told me there was a bar of chocolate in that I could just go and eat that, and I would kind of, I'd feel a little bit better for a short time, and I could just go off to bed and eat the chocolate, go off to bed. And then I felt like, no, stop this. Like, put the worship on. To spend some time with him and I listened to a, a Bethel encounter night and I just put the worship on from that and I just worshipped and had a bit of a cry because you know I was just so fed up and I just said to God this is this is where I'm at and I need comfort from you and I'd like more lasting comfort than a bar of chocolate and quite honestly can you do something to Meta I shan't tell you 
I didn't say what I wanted him to do, but I just thought I'd leave it there, up to him. <laughs> Happy if he does firebolt. Um, but <laughs> I don't know that I would have made that choice. What I'm trying to share with you is not that I'm telling you that I was some amazing spiritual person last Friday, because I wasn't. But I think I found it easier, and I have noticed that when I'm in a regular pattern of fasting, I find it easier to be self-controlled. Be that reaching for a bar of chocolate, be making a good choice to worship, be it, you know, whatever other struggles that I have, which, you know, I don't need to give you illustrations at all. We're all human. We all have struggles. But whatever the issue is for me, I find it easier to be self-controlled if I've been fasting. Not, I don't mean on that day. And I think, I think it's back to that thing, you know, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast out the demon off this bloke? of this child, and he said, well, it only comes out with prayer and fasting, but he neither prayed nor fasted in that moment, but that meant he had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It's the same for us, isn't it? If we have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, then in the moment where we're praying for somebody and we're wanting to see healing, in the moment where we're praying for somebody and we want to see deliverance, or in the moment where we're tempted and we want to reach for the bar of chocolate or the glass of wine or whatever is our bag, instead of going to him, we find it easier to kind of step into that place of self-control. Arthur Wallace again says, fasting then is a divine corrective to the pride of the human heart. It is a discipline of the body with a tendency to humble the soul. I know that's quite a complex. Uh, fast, fasting then is a divine corrective to the pride of the human heart. It is a discipline of the body with a tendency to humble the soul. So he's saying, it basically corrects the stuff that's wrong in our heart. It does it. it, it that's how it helps us grow in holiness. It, 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 it makes our focus on him, and it, as it does that, it deals with the stuff that's in here that isn't helpful. And we see that many times in the Bible, don't we? Ezra, Nehemiah, the people in Nineveh, the church in Acts, as they fast, they repent of the stuff that they've got wrong. They humble themselves before. They consecrate themselves before, before God again to, to his call and to what he's asking them to do. Fasting takes us to that place of holiness. Another great quote. I'll say it really slowly because it's quite a long one and I don't want to have to say it twice. If you have been brought low, it'll come up on the slides here, through personal defeat, if there is a call in your soul to a deeper purifying, to a renewed consecration. If there is a challenge of some new task for which you feel ill-equipped, then it's time to cry of God whether you, he would not have you separate yourself unto him in fasting. In other words, if there's out going on in your life, is it not time to get down your knees and spend some time fasting? You know, that's, that's it in simple Yorkshire. If there's stuff going on, it's time to just give that dedicated time in fasting. So fasting, it amplifies our prayers, it focuses our attention, it help, helps us grow in holiness. And finally, fasting helps us identify with the poor. You just click on Stuart. And we read that in Isaiah 58, you know, in Isaiah 58, that wonderful passage that challenges that wrong heart attitude to fasting. But it also tells us that fasting brings justice to the poor. God has a heart for the poor, and yet we can get um, numb to it, can't we? We can get numb because we see like ads on TV or you know people on the street who are homeless. We kind of get numb, and we're so busy in with our own life. 
And yet, you know, even in the UK, it's estimated that 2.2 million children are living in poverty. That means they don't get three meals a day. That means they're not living in suitable housing. That means they don't necessarily have shoes and coats to wear. 2.2 million in our own country, never mind when we look at the two-thirds of the world that are still um, developing. So when I'm hungry, I remember in a very tangible way that there are many who don't have enough. I remember in a very tangible way that there are many who will go hungry that day and the day after and the day after. That I'm doing this out of choice, but for other people, they're doing it because they don't have the food in their cupboards. It stops me from being tunnel visioned and it being like, this is my life and, you know, oh, woe is me, my, the things that I, you know, I mean, really when it comes down to it, is Facebook an issue? No. I mean, I'll, I'll live with, if I never get a Facebook account again. Obviously, it's not important at all. It is not a real issue. Hunger, 2.2 million children living in hunger in our country, that's an, that's an issue, isn't it? And so it, it takes me, fasting takes me from like my, my little life to like, whoa, God, there is so much more that you are focused on. That, and it helps me then go to him, but God, we need divine solutions. You know, I, I want to be somebody who God absolutely can download those divine solutions to because, you know, when we look at the needs of our healthcare system, I absolutely believe that it is possible to have a healthy national health service, but I believe that there needs to be people who get divine solutions for that, and that's what I'm praying for, is that we will have people who will get that. And in my life, in the things that I do face, I know that some of the stuff will only come right if he gives me divine solutions. And so I think fasting allows us to, to hear those divine solutions. And obviously, practically, if I'm not eating a meal, or two meals, or three meals, or six meals, or whatever it is that week, I can give the money away, can I? I can actually physically give that money away, so it, it not only helps me reorientate my mind to a bigger vision and to what God is doing, and to help me identify with poor, but it practically means that I can give something away. So fasting amplifies our prayers, it focuses our attention on God, it helps us grow in holiness, it helps us identify with the poor. Last time I spoke to you, I encouraged you to have a go. You know, wh wherever you're at, you know, you might be somebody who's fasted your whole, whole Christian life. Amazing. Well done. Think about what you can do to take it on to the next level. I don't want us to get religious about this. So I don't, you know, Stuart and I are not saying, you know, okay, as a church from now on, every Tuesday and Friday, we will be fasting and we will check up, you know, we'll be around at your houses, checking whether you're eating on those days. No, we're not going to get religious about it. We're not, we're not going to do this. This isn't... <laughs> we won't do that either. Um, this is an invitation. You know, this is literally is an invitation into being in that place where we focus our attention, where we have our prayers amplified, where we grow in holiness and where we identify with the poor. But there is something about regular fasts and there is something about fasting as a community. Um, you know, we see that throughout Israel's history. We see that in Acts when we see the early church, they regularly fasted as a community. And so we are going to do something and we are inviting you and calling you into a fast because we feel as a church, and we talked about it with our trustees, is that we as a church are facing some particular challenges that we 
and not seeing breakthrough. So we want to, we want to spend some time focused. And um, so we're calling you in January to a, a, a fast between the third and the 23rd day. So for 21 days, we want to call you to a 21 day time of prayer and fasting. Now we're not saying that we're all going to fast for 21 days, because I don't know about you, I'm not ready to give up food for 21 days. I mean, I want to be, I definitely, you know, when we do that, in the, if we ever do this again, I want to be in that place where I'm ready to give up food for 21 days, but I know I'm not there yet. I struggle with one or two days. So I'm being honest, but what I do want you to, to we, we want you to do is over that time to regularly fast and pray and to use that time to pray about some very specific things to do with our church. And we're creating, I'm creating a prayer diary. Les is creating a kind of like online prayer document that we can add to and put in prayers and stuff over that 21 days. So we're creating some resources around it and they will be coming out in the next few weeks, hopefully. We'll have those for you. But we do feel that as a church, there are, there are some things that we, we want to kind of really focus on. One of those topics is worship. We love worship, you know, we have such freedom in worship, but we would love to get to the place where we have musical worshippers that can help lead us in that so that we can kind of keep growing in our worship. So that's one of the topics we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at sort of some greater breakthrough in signs and wonders. As Steve shared this morning, we do see miracles, we do see healing. You know, many of us were praying for Steve's healing and that that brain tumor would go and it completely went. That hallelujah, but some of us, I'm walking around with two broken feet, Julie's walking around with a finger that's had multiple surgeries. Um, you know, there are many of us who you know, maybe have children who are involved in, with addictions or whatever that we would love to see broken. So there are things that we want to focus our prayers on in, in that area. And then the third area that we want to focus on in the three weeks, so we've got worship one week, we've got these um, greater breakthrough in signs and wonders for the second, the second week. And then the, the final week, we want to focus on the, the fact that we've been praying for a building and we've had no move on that. Um, we've, you know, it's not that Stuart and I haven't been looking well. Stuart more than I. You're going to think that he does everything. He cooks, he cook, he looks for buildings. Um, he does. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll have to readdress that balance somehow. But um, he, has, he has been the one who's been looking. We have been looking. Um, the problem is, is we don't have the money for, to buy a building. We don't, we, when we look at commercial rents, we don't have the money to actually pay a commercial rent. They're way out of our price. We can actually get this scout building at a very good rate that makes it affordable for us. So without some miraculous breakthrough, it's hard to see how we, we practically could ever get that. Um, so we're going to bring it before God. Um, and we know, I mean, you know, numerous testimonies. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, how Jared Cooper and his church have been given a, a building in four acres. I was like, hallelujah, Jesus. You do it in this country. It's not just testimonies in other countries. Hallelujah. So we're going to be encouraging that we as a church do this three weeks of fasting and praying. So if you've been fasting for one day a week, try two days a week. If you've been fasting for one meal a week, try two, three meals a, a, a week. See what you can do to kind of fast and use that time to do the focus prayer on that. And then every week, we are going to meet at our house and have a prayer meeting and a prayer gathering. I don't like the word meeting um, because it's active and it's involved. You know, we're all coming, we're gathering, the church is gathering and we're going to pray and we're going to pray about these things and have that focus time together. So that'll be during the three weeks of January. And it will be an evening thing. 
Um, it'll be instead of life group, but it'll be every week for three weeks, where like normally life group we do every other week. But pr fasting and prayer changes things, doesn't it? You know, in World War II, King George called the nation to fast and pray before Dunkirk. And there was some, well, it is believed that a whole host of coincidences happened that made Dunkirk successful. In February 6, 1756, the nation fasted to stop the French invasion. And Wesley records that every church was full and the invasion didn't happen. I mean, that's how powerful prayer and fasting is. It's, it's this, this like supercharged combo that God, God has given us. So it makes the difference. It amplifies our prayers. It draws us into holiness. It focuses on God. It helps us identify with the poor. But I hope that what you're hearing is this invitation, this invitation into a deeper relationship with him. So why don't we just pray? Why, let's stand on our feet and let's, let's pray. Let's pray that we become a church that, that live in that encounter of fasting, not doing it out of some religious duty, but doing it because we want to be drawn into a deeper relationship. So Father, I thank you. I thank you that you didn't institute fasting because you want us to do it out of some religious motivation. But Father, you're drawing us into a deeper relationship with you. And I ask that you would, those obstacles that we have, the struggles that we have to give up food for a day or two days or three days or whatever, that you would help us with those, that you would change our mindset, that we would realize that this is, this is a beautiful invitation into an intimate moment where we encounter you. And we know that we are always changed by the encounter. And so, God, we want that. We want to be drawn into that place of intimacy with you. So, Father, whatever barriers are in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds that stop us fasting or limit our fasting or our expectations when we're fasting, then, Father God, would you come along and would you change those so that we can be the people that you want us to be? And I pray that when we come together as a church and we do this fast and praying in January, that, God, you would help us to have hearts that are set on you, consecrated to you. As a community, we would be drawn into you in a deeper way because, God, we want to be your people. Yeah, representing your heart and showing people your love and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.